When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. As stressed out as I was about the staff meeting after school yesterday, I was really pleased with how well town meeting went in the cafeteria. It was a little easier getting in and getting settled. The acoustics were better, and so was the lighting. My stress level decreased even more because I decided to give one last try to keeping all of my teachers on staff. I contacted my mentor, and she gave me the once-over about letting the system decide what was to happen with my classes and my staff. She impressed upon me to develop a plan to present to them and then fight for it with data-driven rationale. Tanya's always been there to give me the real-life reality of a situation from a principal's perspective. I really appreciate that and her. With that in mind, I decided to write uh, Assistant Superintendent Tanner an email with the facts supported by research and data in an effort to minimize our losses. As it stands right now, I'm going to lose one certified teacher. I'm fighting to keep her because one, she's new and she's fitting in well. And because it'll keep my fifth grades really small and minimize the disruption to staff. I don't know if it'll work because in truth, what I'm being asked to do by Tanner is actually reasonable. I just know that things can be even better if I'm able to keep this one teacher. So we're still in a holding pattern until I'm guessing tomorrow. I expect to meet with my staff about it then. Hey, listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops 
because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing, nothing. And I got 950,000, 1,100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. Oh, baby, let's get into it. There is so much here. So much here. Let's just talk about the human experience first commiserating is just part of the human experience man we are wired and socialized to go along to get along and there are a few things more comforting when you are uh, catching hell or dealing with adversity or in the middle of crisis when someone else is also dealing with it and it almost feels like a hug and i mean this is in all aspects of life i mean of course i'm talking about leadership today but You know, I'm an avid bowler and it's no different when I'm bowling with my boys, Leo and Phil, and we're throwing balls dead in the pocket and it's leaving that damn 10 pin standing. Then we just start bitching and moaning about the lanes and the conditions and how bootleg it is here. And it feels good for a couple of minutes. But one thing I love about the guys I bowl with is uh, we don't sit there and bathe in it all day. Like we bitch and moan. But then we start making adjustments, right? If, if we think the lanes are messed up, we, we, start, we start making adjustments, which brings me to the point of the topic of this podcast, right? The comfort of commiserating. It'd be easy to just settle. And when you're leading that school, things like whatever, in this case, you know, this is kind of a continuation of the last episode where I talk about where your mission has to be stronger than the mess where I had to I had to uh, surplus a couple of certified teachers and a few long-term subs and it just created an absolute mess because we're a few weeks into school and so it would be easy 
to shoot a text to several other elementary principals who are in the same mess and we get together and we talk about it and because you know I'm at that school it's easy to just conclude that because we're that school and we have these circumstances that these things happen but here's the bottom line and I, I, think, I've, I think I've been saying this every week <laughs> credit to Joe Stickle who mentioned that I've, I've talked about Dan Campbell MCDC a couple of weeks in a row but I'm going to say this intentionally again this when you're leading that school you are not there to maintain the status quo you're not there to maintain the narrative you are there to rewrite the narrative to, dis to co-create a new narrative to disrupt the narrative that's what you're there to do and you're there to lead that thing. And so I know more now than I knew then. And this brings me to another point, which is every mentor needs a mentor. You know, I'm at a place in my career now where I still have mentors, of course, but I mentor a lot of people. And at the time of this entry, you know, I didn't know what I know now. And I reached out to a fellow principal, his name is Tanya Mahone Williams. And I love the way I wrote in the journal. Like she gave me the once over about allowing the system to determine what's happening with my teachers and staff. But she wasn't irrational about it. She said, make a case, have it backed by rationale and data and present it. And that brings me to my other point. You can't control everything right you can't control everything and I <laughs> I know I'm finding ways to relate this to bowling uh, today I, I bowled in my Tuesday morning league and my team was head to head with the team with the best bowler in our league and I'm the anchor bowler which means I go last because I'm the best bowler on my team and I tell you what it bowling against Joe Joe's the best bowler there I mean it brought the best out of me and it would be easy for me to rationalize why I didn't have such a good day or why I can't step up to the plate but that's not that's not the purpose man that's not the purpose the purpose wasn't to to commiserate the purpose is to step up and when you're at that school it's okay to be scared but you just can't play scared it's 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 insane how when I was bowling this morning I was thinking about leadership leadership of that school because again you know bowling's not life or death and you know i bowl with a bunch of guys who just love to have fun but the fact is the two teams that went head to head today the, you know i was up against the best bowler and my thinking was i'm not gonna lie to you i was i was scared like my ego was like man i don't want to embarrass myself i can bowl i gotta bowl four games here man i gotta hold my own and 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 try to beat this guy but but you know what I get caught up in? And I kind of like this about my wiring. While I wanted to hold my own while bowling against Joe, I wasn't keeping track frame by frame. My concern was bowling the best I could today and more importantly, having the right mindset. Like having the right mindset. I can tell you what my mindset was. My mindset was based on a documentary I just watched on, I think it's Amazon Prime iconic or icons of the NFL and the first episode was on a 
Brett Favre, who happened to be my son's son's a Giant fan. And yes, you can um, you can call CPS about uh, child abuse because I made him a Giants fan. But his first football hero was Brett Favre, and to listen to Favre talk about his mentality on the field, and and I've heard other athletes talk about this, like in the fourth quarter or with two minutes left, not not even professional athletes, not everyone, most don't want the ball. They don't want the ball, they don't want the pressure. But he loved that pressure. And I finished that, I finished watching that documentary and it made me think about two things, bowling and leadership. And in terms of bowling, every time I stepped up to the foul line, to, to the lanes to start, I just said to myself, you want the ball. Like, you want the ball. This is what you're here for. You're here to be clutch. And it's the most confident I've been. I didn't bowl the best four games I've ever bowled. I bowled four great games. And in my mind, none of it was luck. Like, none of it was like a happenstance. I just felt more confident because the situation kind of pushed me into that position. Leadership is the same way. When you're leading that school, when you're leading that school, you're... The mission, the goals, where you are taking that school has to be ambitious, almost audacious. It has to defy logic. It has to defy what's on paper. It's, it's got to be inspirational with support. And when you're leading that school, if you're a human being, you're doing this while being scared. <laughs> because... Nothing adds up. Uh, nothing's supposed to work out. You got a lot of adversity, a lot of circumstances that are working against you. And it, it just made me think of that. That it is okay to be scared. You just can't play scared. And when you leave that school, you have to want the ball. Right? You want that. You want to be on the field for that two-minute drill. Every athlete says it, but we know the folks who really want it. You playing basketball, you want to be the guy with point right 0.8 seconds left there's only one shot to take you want to be the guy to take that shot and leading that school is the same way it would be easy for me to just commiserate about the staff cuts and I can't control the outcome of the staff cuts but like I said about bowling did I did I have the right mindset did I execute did I do all that I could do that's how I treated this situation with the staffing and I love that I don't know, I had the presence of mind to call my mentor who was like, you better get in there and fight. And then whatever the outcome is, you can sleep easy because you've done all you can. And that brings me to this additional point. I didn't look it up. It may be officially attributed to someone else. But in terms of what it did for my life, I attribute this quote to my, my fellow Morehouse brother, my, uh, my Kemet brother, my Kemet fraternity brother, uh, Kenneth Zaki, who said to me, I, that'd be 40 years ago, he simply said, the answer to the unasked question is always no. I've just always remembered that. Just always remember that. It doesn't cost anything. Not going to lose anything by it. But you can lose a lot by not asking the question. And so, even though... I, I'm not sure what the outcome is. And honestly, I haven't even read ahead. So I don't even know whether I got to keep the staff member. What I'm super proud of is, one, going to Tanya, 
and talking with my mentor. And then she gives me action steps. And I don't question them because she's where I want to be. Like her school is where I want my school to be. And so, you know, it was nothing for me to go sit in uh, her lap to ask a bunch of questions. Dean Lillard over at Northcutt Elementary, I'd sit in his lap. Faith Duncan over at Arnold Elementary, I go sit in her lap and just ask questions. And now I find myself paying that stuff forward. But there's definitely a need for mentorship. And when you have a good mentor, they're not going to allow you to commiserate for long. Again, commiseration feels good for a couple of minutes. It's usually kind of the start of things where it's like, oh man, this stuff is happening and it's ridiculous. And you know, you you share you know a common pain with someone, but it doesn't move anything. And I can tell you upfront, I don't commiserate well. I don't do victim well, and I don't do pity. I do power. All I'm interested in is there's something else I can do. And what I'm proud of is I did put together a rationale for my assistant superintendent. I can't control the outcome. I just can go to sleep that night saying I went to bat and fought like hell. Even though, you know, there are all these considerations about, you know, is it going to upset anyone? Is it going to affect my upward mobility? I couldn't worry about that. I'm not saying those things didn't cross my mind, but the folks I serve are the adults in our building. Like that That's who I serve, like directly. Indirectly, I'm also serving our students, but I serve our students through the adults, the adults of my classroom, right? And so I needed, the, I needed them to know and for them to see that I'm a dog for them. Like I'm that dog, I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna fight for them. And then I'm not gonna be afraid to ask in return for their best. Right, because I, I put a video out recently. If 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 leaders can't ask teachers for their best during their contracted duty day, we are dead. So again, commiserating can provide just a, just a temporary respite from whatever you're dealing with, but it is not a long-term solution. It's not a long-term solution. I I I probably have a, a governor going off in my head. Um, when I find myself commiserating and it just doesn't take long. I just, I don't know. I've just trained myself mentally to, you know, only either lick my wounds for so long, feel sorry for myself for so long, um, you know, pout for so long, commiserate for so long. And then we got to get into it. And all I'm thinking about from that point is where is my power? Where is my power? And there are two paths you can take. Sometimes you know the answer. Sometimes you know exactly what you need to do. Like there's a little voice in your head saying, you know, you need to need to be doing more of this. You know, you need to be posting more on social media or creating more videos or uh, creating more content or doing more, whatever it is, whatever it is. And then other times you don't know what to do. And so you need to reach out and ask someone to use their lenses to see if there's something else that needs to be done. I had no idea what else I could do and somehow I had the presence of mind to ask someone to ask a mentor a more experienced principal basically do I are there do I have any recourse and of course she was like hell yeah here's your recourse and I've said this a thousand times man I'm so glad I journaled because I, I did not remember that incident until I read it again 
the advice she gave me has become part of uh, my cellular system. It's part of my DNA. It's what I would tell any principal today. And before this podcast, I'd probably think that that's something I came up with. But in fact, it was Dr. Tanya Mahone-Williams who mentored me during my time at that school. You're not there to maintain the status quo, baby, at all. And then sometimes when you're that school, that uh, you're an afterthought to the district. Now, again, there's another opportunity you can commiserate and bitch and moan about how you've been left off email threads or the initiative uh, that was packed up in a truck. They seem to run out of all the boxes before they got to your, you can, you can do that all day long or you can get in there and take some swings. Commiserating is like a, a temporary warm hug, but it's not gonna get you anywhere. Power is gonna get you somewhere. Do me a favor, share this podcast with someone else. Share it with uh, some other leaders, some uh, burgeoning leaders, those who want to enter leadership. Remember to start with the crown, not with the kid. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity. Be on the lookout in the next few months for my next book, which will be targeted to you, the leaders of that school. Start with the crown, not with the kid, and may the bridges I burn light the way. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.